Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blur with a love of artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Dexter's Laboratory premiered the Dial M from Monkey shorts. And this blew my mind because I didn't think about this before. The premise of these shorts is that the main character, Dexter, has a pet who is secretly a superhero that goes out and does superhero things unbeknownst to Dexter. Does that sound familiar to you? Sounds, I mean, that just sounds like it's an ordinary plasma. Perry the platypus. <laughs> I like, has no one realized this until now? Oh, shit. <laughs> Are we the first person, first people to break this one open? What's his name? Dan Pulvermore. Um, I, I, I love your work, but we might have, we might need to start talking because um, questions, questions galore. The creator of Samurai Jack was going to come after you and look, Primal 2? Mm, I don't know. I wouldn't want to be in your shoes, man. <laughs> oh man but um speaking about monkeys and how dangerous or superhero i guess heroic they may be but mostly dangerous in the dc universe they will be uh we're continuing our coverage of young justice i was recovering today episodes three through six uh, entitled welcome to happy harbor drop zone schooled and infiltrator this is a lot of episodes today <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to move as fast as Kid Flash to get through them all. <laughs> but we can't trip like, you know, that one episode. <laughs> uh, so, yes, we're covering these four episodes today. And these episodes are heavily going to cover um, just basically how this team is becoming established as a team, um, dealing with all their strains and rough parts of getting to know each other. Uh, so I felt like it was appropriate to call this one Growing Pains. Mm. Mm. They do. They, they are pains, some of them. <laughs> In particular, that we'll get into. <laughs> so much pain. Uh, so we got our cast list. Of course, we have already mentioned who is on the main team, the voice actors for the main team. So we are covering these next couple of episodes, just people we felt needed to be highlighted for their work. Um, so starting off, we have Red Tornado, who's going to be popping up here and there, here and there throughout the series. Um, he is voiced by Jeff Bennett, who you'll probably recognize through most of his animated content, but more importantly, Johnny Bravo. Oh, two very different voices. <laughs> Quite very different because next up we have um, Red Tornado's evil counterpart, Mr. Twister, who you'll know as John DeLancey. Um, but for our Trekkies out there, you'll know him as Q. And yeah, I just also want to mention Jeff Bennett, Dexter's dad and, and Dexter's laboratory. So it all comes full circle. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
next up, we have Arnold Vosloo, who has been part of the DC Universe animated content for quite some time. We've heard his voice a couple times in a couple of shows and movies we've seen in the past. But today, he keeps his scary kingly presence going from Imhotep from the mummy uh, movies to now Cobra. Uh, Cobra Commander, as we like to call him on the show. <laughs> Never change. <laughs> Never changes. I will say, though, this Cobra was way better than the ones we saw in um, Soul of the Dragon. Oh, God. That, uh, God, not him. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he eat that mouse? I still don't know. <laughs> Gladly wasn't one of those New York City rats. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be dead. Where they fight back. <laughs> uh, our last two on our list, we have the DC star. I'm calling her a DC star because I honestly feel like you can't have a DC animated content without her. Is we have Kelly Hugh, who um, I'm hoping finally gets a chance to reprise any of her DC roles in the what I feel like we should now be calling the Saf Gun verse. Uh, that is Peter mm. Safran and James Gunn, whatever production they come up with um great news for dc fans out there as we have a full chapter one phase or whatever it's called and they're all going to be connected that's going to be awesome um yes we will cover creature commandos all right guys stop asking (laughs) yes she is here um you know she may not pop up in creature commandos but she's here today kelly hugh as cheshire who um we'll see in our infiltrator episode and last but not least we have Machete himself, or Machete, my bad. Oh. There you go. Put yes. that put that jet in the name. <laughs> Machete is here. Um, he is Venom-filled this time, though, as Danny Trejo is Bane. Dude, that's just perfect casting. There's really nothing else right. to say about it. <laughs> I was, like, thinking about it. I was, like, sitting down. I was just like, man, this is a, a great Bane. Like, I don't think I've ever heard a Bane this, like, scary and Lo and behold, it's Dan Trejo. So, I mean, hey, if we could get him into this universe too, I'd love it. It just goes like Danny Trejo's Bane and then the Bane from Harley Quinn. Those are the top two Mm. Banes. Yeah, those are the voices you want. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's our cast list for our four episodes today. So let's speed on through, hop on through the Zeta tube to bring ourselves to episode, our third episode here of our series titled Welcome to Happy Harbor. We immediately start with Speedy just doing his thing as as the arrow sidekick, just going vigilante hero by himself. And um, right away, you know, we always love a good background line here that is just hilarious. <laughs> and as he's shooting the villain who will lose for most jacked character, but thank you for playing. Mm-hmm. Um, he at one point he gets his clothes get damaged and he just screams out do you know how much it costs to pay for a suit in my size <laughs> i felt that and i almost sympathized with him i almost went to arms for this suit i wonder if he rented the suit hashtag not sponsored hint hint <laughs> <laughs> but yeah as he's just depressed over his suit being just torn apart um, we see that the rest of the team, the main team that we see with Robin, Kid Flash, and Aqualad, they all have joined on this battle, trying to once again convince Speedy to join along with their team. And um, he's just like, nah. Like, you know when they tell you that, like, you could ask out somebody, the worst they could say is no? I felt like this was way worse. Yeah, he is still just not going for what he calls the Junior Justice League at all. And he even wraps up his his mission solo and as they're trying to reel from not having Speedy, they go back to base where Kid Flash and Robin are just so focused on trying to to win over Miss Martian 
that they barely notice that the missions are coming a little bit slow. Um, I did like a little detail here when they were talking that Robin, that Kid Flash is like, oh yeah, Robin can't even tell you his real name. And it's just so fascinating to f- find like he's always in the sunglasses, very Teen Titans <laughs> yeah. uh, method. But yeah, he can't even let his guard down to tell his teammates his real name at this point, which I thought was really a really nice touch for him. Yeah, I agree. And um, um, so, yeah, as they realize that they're trying to build each other in the in their relationship as a team, Miss um, Martian, she realizes that she decides to share her own Earth name that she decided upon, which she goes by Megan. And this leads to Superboy looking a bit sad and which she decides to try to comfort him by stating that he will also find the Earth name very soon. Unfortunately, we learned that she's communicating telepathically, which sends the team into a crazy fit because as Calder calls out, he does see it as the team does as an invasion of privacy. This causes Superboy to storm off with um, McGann still kind of unsure about why is it that this is like that because of the fact that she is from Mars and that's how they do it constantly. She decides that maybe she can try to work on their relationship again by showing them her super cool, awesome bio ship, which is, I'm going to steal a phrase from our, I guess, our time doing the Empower, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers episode on the Pint Podcast, a morphological being like herself. Ah, yeah, this thing is beautiful. Just can shift forms, change into a sphere, whatever you really need it to be, just like um, the Martians themselves. And um, there's a nice little bonding on the ship where... Miss Martian shows off her shape shifting. Of course, when she shape shifts the kid Flash, she thinks he's hot. Um, so you get a nice little bonding in the ship. And then as they're on the way, just taking this joyride, they find out that Mr. Twister is out and just wrecking this small New England town. Uh, so they go, they show up and they wrap this up in two minutes. Just kidding. They get absolutely manhandled by Mr. Twister. Oh, absolutely destroyed. It's it's not even funny how bad some of these people got wrecked. <laughs> so at this point, as they're losing badly, uh, Calder starts to take charge a little bit here. He tells for Miss Martian to use her telepathic abilities to try to read uh, Mr. Twister's mind, who is like antagonizing them. I basically say calling them also like Junior Justice League or, you know, not quite up to the heroes that he truly wants to face. So as Miss Martian reads uh, Mr. Twister's mind, she realizes that she can't. And this is a beat back from uh, earlier on in the episode in which she tried to read um, Red Tornado's mind to see if maybe he might be planning some missions for them in any way, shape, or form. And she realizes that. She can't because he is an android. He's not a real being. He doesn't really have any like thoughts like that. So she deduces that possibly, given the fact that Mr. Twister and Red Tornado both have a very similar look, a very similar power set, that they must be one and the same, which causes a moment of aggression amongst all the team because they realize that maybe this is just another kind of trial by the Justice League proving to them that, once again, they're not being taken seriously, everything that Speedy said was true, that they'll never be set out on their own missions. And this is when Mr. Twister reveals that, um, as he would like to call it, I'm not a second-rate Red Tornado like you think. <laughs> it, it is a nice twist because even rewatching uh, it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even rewatching it, I thought it was like, oh yeah, this is where it was turn- Red Tornado in disguise. But 
no, not on this show. You don't get off that easy. Mm -hmm. Um, And he, again, wrecks them. And this does lead to some tension. They're frustrated at getting so outclassed. They even, they kind of all shift the blame at Miss Martian, too, for being new and inexperienced. And they, in the course of this, Miss Martian kind of has this revelation that he, Twister just keeps like, I want to, I want to fight a real hero. I want to fight a real superhero. So they decide to come up with a crazy plan. And during this next encounter with Twister, we see, we see Aqualad dodge a tornado, which is pretty damn impressive. <laughs> like, God, these speed feats are crazy. If you can um, dodge a wrench, you can dodge a tornado. Apparently. <laughs> and, uh, Mr. Twister finally gets what he wants when Red Tornado shows up and shoots some tornadoes and they go tornado towards tornado against each other. But yeah, as they're going toe to toe, they realize that they're more or less kind of equally matched. But Mr. Twister does get a bit of the upper hand as he sends something towards Red Tornado. And as he goes in for what looks like the kill shot, this actually looks like to be like a download of what Red Tornado has access within his own CPU, um, Red Tornado's head just like completely turns around as it's revealed as actually Miss Martian in disguise. And something we forgot to mention is that Red Tornado's in constant communication with the team, but keeps on passing the buck over to them saying that like, hey, you guys gotta learn how to navigate this. Not This is not up to us to, to do. So she reveals that upon one of these conversations, she decides, she figures out the, um, the, the weakness that Mr. Twister might have and uses a telepathic link with the team to their with their consent to um, share out a plan as they were all pretending to um, to be sometimes like the tornadoes that are being sent out and everything. So as they're able to completely rip apart uh, Mr. Twister, it's revealed that there is somebody inside who's been operating as Mr. Twister the entire time. Um, I think his name was Bromstick in the um in the show, and as he's crawling out begging for mercy, um Miss Martian looks at him very dangerously, has te- um uses her telekinetic powers to pick up a boulder, and much to the shock of the rest of the team, she uses that boulder to unalive uh Bromstick here. Fortunately, this is a Teen Titans in Tokyo situation where the you didn't actually kill anybody. It was another robot inside of a robot, like the turducken of robots. I was going to say, Exhibit uh, is very proud. Yeah. <laughs> you heard you like robots. So I put a robot in a robot so you can <laughs> robot while you robot. And far away, it's revealed that the real scientist is safe. And he's like, thank God I didn't get in there. Um, so we know that this is part of a bigger scheme. And back at base, Red Tornado once again congratulates on the team and says, look, when I said you're all on your own, I said you're all on your own. So don't expect me to come help anytime. <laughs> you guys got to take care of this. And Superboy actually takes a step forward, apologizes to Miss Martian for his behavior earlier and for putting where everybody should take turns apologizing because they were mm-hmm. brutal to Miss Martian. And we have a sense that this team just might make it through. Yeah, in fact, they are so comfortable with one another that they decide that it's time for them to do a group trip as we jump into our next episode where they go on a spectacular Caribbean getaway as we open up to Santa Prisca, um, also known as the location where the entire Cobra gang, along with Bane, is currently stationed. 
And right away, they don't waste any time. Bane is ready. He is ready to just get into this. He's ready to um, fight whoever they got. And Bane, they even give him Venom, the mm-hmm. Cobra guy. So he's like, all right, you're giving me Venom? All right, you better bring come correct. And they do <laughs> because they inject another guy who starts out very skinny. But just like the Bane in 1997's Batman and Robin, he goes from a skinny little loser to a big hulking guy everyone ladies and gentlemen our most jacked individual comes in and beats the stuffing off of bane like it's like he's batman in dark knight rises the beating bane gets is just unreal i i also just want to shout out the um the design that they gave this character who we don't know he's never given the name or anything but this character is so jacked that his skin can't even keep up so you can see kind of like the open wounds from just how like big and jacked this guy's muscles are. And he just stays like that, which is a point that comes up later on in the show where this new thing, this new kind of like blockbuster series that we saw back from our first episode of um, a firework, it apparently just grows you to this massive size. Now, this is unknown to the team uh, because the events of this actually took place before the team was formed, before we even found Superboy. But we do jump to now when the team is put together after July 15th. I was paying attention to those dates, I think. <laughs> They're there for a reason. <laughs> so after the team um, has finally come together, Ms. Martian's on there, Batman has given them their first mission where they are going to be doing a covert operation to just observe and report what's happening on Santa Prisca because they do find out that there's some massive shipments being sent out from there so that the team, as they are flying on the bio ship, we get a flashback here. Um, You know how we feel about flashbacks. Unfortunately, it's very contained where Batman reveals he has a very bad um, Bumbito impression because he says... <laughs> Isla Santa Prisca. Um, yeah. <laughs> Batman. You have many skills, but not Spanish. <laughs> but the main question that comes out of the debrief is who's going to be the leader? And Batman Retornado tells them to decide amongst themselves. And that's where Robin just automatically just figures that he's the leader of the team. This is an interesting con- conflict that goes on throughout the episode because in a lot of these shows, you don't really even think about it, you know, Batman or Superman usually just take charge or Wonder mm-hmm. Woman. Whoever's the highest ranked hero, <laughs> just like My Hero Academia just takes charge. And you see these little quirks about the team. Superboy is like no tights, no capes for him. He wants to be as separate from Superman as possible. So they all land on the island. And immediately we see a conflict between Bane's group and Koba's group. And they're looking for Robin. He's gone. Robin's already gone. Um, and Kid Flash, while he's trying to do recon before anyone asks him to, accidentally slips in between the the gunfire <laughs> between the two groups. So now the all, Superboy has to jump in and handle Bane. Everybody has all the um, heroes, young heroes, have to go in and fight. And I love how the fight happens. They come out okay. Robin goes, um, why don't you guys just vanish into the jungle? Like, what's wrong with you guys? You guys just walk through jungles? Y'all don't vanish? What's wrong? <laughs> and it immediately causes an argument amongst the entire team. Kid Flash obviously is quite upset. Even though there is, this is his boy, this is his bro. He's like, oh, I didn't know how to vanish in the jungles. I didn't realize that's what you were doing. 
And this infighting lead spreads out to the team as it like starts to lead figures out for viewers like us that like this is all stemming from the fact of we don't know yet who is the leader. And there's even the one small beat in which um uh Miss Martian and Superboy are talking amongst themselves and which is like, hey, do you do, do you want to be the leader? And Superboy's like, nah. And he questions about her. And then that's when she also called him back to um, the Mr. Twist incident of like, you know what happened the last time I tried to take charge or made a judgment call. So no, Bane, you know, not trying to be leader of the group, but he ends up kind of being so because he's laughing at all this infighting and tells them that like, I'll team up with you if um, you just basically we can, I just want to shut this down. So you help me to shut this down. As we jump to our next scene where we find out about the blockbuster serum, how it's a permanent version of Venom, and also who is potentially the buyer for um for this like new super steroid, I guess. I do want to mention, because this is worth pointing out, at one point they try to read Bane's mind and he's able to block it by reciting football scores in his head. <laughs> like <laughs> Bane might be the GOAT. I don't know. He might be the GOAT. <laughs> Just how how do you how is that how you beat mind control? That's crazy. Um, so yeah, the they find out the buyer is Sportsmaster, our favorite, your favorite from Stargirl. Um, one of the best <laughs> characters, honestly, on that show. <laughs> He's just so funny. And they this becomes even more apparent that they need to stop this. So Bane leads them down an extremely sus entrance, and again. Robin and Kid Flash find themselves running ahead, trying to get the computer recon first. Meanwhile, Bane goes Leroy Jenkins and just immediately <laughs> leads the rest of the team into a fight. And a cool thing during this fight, because Sportsmaster, I know he seems like a rent, low rent Casey Jones. He seems I like a joke. That note. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call him that too. <laughs> but honestly, he's so, his senses are so jacked up. He can sense Miss Martian even while she's invisible. So he's able to sense her. And this is already saying the fight is going too, too badly. It's too lopsided. So Aqualad wants to call a retreat and have everybody regroup because things are just not going their way. Yeah. And um, along the way, this is where Calder once again calls to Miss Martian to link them up psychically so that they can um, plan out their retreat. As they make their way into a cave, they are able to um, knock down some support beams to separate them from this horde of the um, the same Most Jack character here, as well as the um, Cobra Gang. And as they're in this cave, it's just the team now. It's just Robin, it's just Kid Flash, um, Calder, Aqualad, MM, and Superboy. And as they're talking amongst themselves, the first thing that comes up is Robin questions how can his first mission as a leader go so wrong and it leads into this really great um just i don't want to call it a lecture but it's just like an analysis really from calder who shares that like hey don't beat yourself up too much but you have to remember this you and batman have been working together for years the way you work together you don't even have to speak to each other in order to know what the other one's going to do because you two have to find roles and tactics this is a brand new team this means that like there's certain things that we just have to do and learn about each other. And, you know, that unfortunately just means that we're not able to communicate that well quite yet and yet be in the operative word. This is where Robin takes a step back and just says, you know, that like he decides that like it, he is right, that Calder is right, that they need to 
figure out who the true leader is. And the person who led them out of that, um, that like harrowing situation was Calder. So he starts to nominate Calder, which everyone agrees with. Um, Kid Flash, unfortunately, is like the swing vote, or even though it didn't really matter at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but now Calder ha- is the new leader of the team, and he stops to say, I will take on this burden until you are ready to lead the team that you were born to lead. And he puts his, sh- his hand on Robin. And I just felt like that was such a nice moment because we're so accustomed to a Robin taking care, leading a superhero team that isn't the Justice League, that for the first time ever, we're really seeing that like, hey, someone, Robin is recognizing he's not ready for this, but also someone's recognizing that like Robin is like the next leader of this. Yeah. Yeah. It, this is really a nice subtle change and what that exchange and definitely talk about it, uh, get into it as we go on. Um, and, but I do like that Robin did do one thing, right? Unquestionably, he did sabotage the helicopter earlier mm. while he was on his solo mission, which I thought was, a, again, these really nice small touches. This is such a Batman thing to do to, like, your enemy's like, oh, you can't get away. And he's like, oh, yeah, no worries. And But your helicopter doesn't work. <laughs> um, So as they're going forward, Bane appears at the end of this sus tunnel that he let them into. And he's like, I'm just going to collapse this thing because... When you die, the Justice League will come and investigate and shut down this operation, which is exactly what I want. And then the island will be mine again, which is out of line, but he's not wrong. Um, <laughs> luckily, the the young Justice group is able to, I guess the team, they're not the team yet, but I'll, uh, <laughs> the team <laughs> is able to wombo combo Bane in an instant. Um, and they can focus on trying to prevent the new Venom from getting out of the island. And I love uh, when they're back in the main main thick of it, Cobra Commander goes, sometimes a god must stoop to conquer. Yo, <laughs> yo, I got chills when I heard that line. And look, he's not the most Jack character, but Robin is out of his league here. <laughs> and I also love, I mean, this... Cobra Commander has some excellent lines. I think right after that, there was a beat back to um, a moment in which Robin tries to take him on solo before the team had like tried to actually decide that Calder was going to be the leader. Um, Robin just you know kind of shot tells him they're like, "What's wrong with you? Are you looking disconcerted?" And my dude came back with the same line when he was whooping Robin's ass. <laughs> it's up there now for me with like Papa. Here's your pipe. It's it's, it's uh, these little small lines like have a big impact. Speaking of a big impact, uh, the team finally does win, even though Sportsmaster is able to take off in the plane with the Venom. Uh, but it's revealed that apparently Miss Martian put all the bombs that Bane had grabbed from earlier into the helicopter and just blows it up. Uh, I'm assuming Sportsmaster does survive. Um, but as Cobra Commander sees this explosion... And the team's coming at him to take him down. He drops another great line before he vanishes into the jungle <laughs> in which he says, I'm plagued by mosquitoes. And he just walks away. Yeah. Um, we got to talk to Miss Martian about uh, how bombs kill people because <laughs> <laughs> maybe it won't kill a Martian, but <laughs> she was not, she was um, ready to kill him. We do are reminded this whole mission was supposed to be observe and report, mm-hmm. not interfere. So Robin's like, look, uh, I admit I didn't do this mission, but at least I don't have to explain this to Batman. Um, <laughs> and he laughs, which is his, kind of this Robin's trademark. He just laughs all the time. 
um, when he's like going ahead and doing things. So Aqualad, he laughs at Aqualad having explained it. And Batman does give him a lecture, tells him everything they did wrong. They're going to get itemized reports, but also says, good job. Prep time doesn't always work, which I know will shock many legions of Batman fans <laughs> everywhere. But he admits like how you improvise is what really determines the nature of the team. And even though there's that hopeful note, it also ends on the twisted note that the light is getting kind of pissed with this team and will do something about it very soon. Yes, yes. Um, in fact, you might say they would probably school them very soon as we jump into our next episode, Schooled, <laughs> um, where we see a uh, a bus, a school bus full of kids and um, a very responsible driver, I must say, <laughs> um, who is unfortunately the bridge starts to collapse as he's just trying to navigate and save and pull these kids away from the crumbling bridge. Fortunately, um, Bruce Wayne was in Wayne Tower seeing this all go down. And as he's walking very calmly to go down to try to see if he can save them, <laughs> uh, Superman flies in and catches the, the bus before it falls. At the same time, Superboy jumps in, lands very aggressively, much to, the, um, much to Superman's displeasure. And as all of them are you know, pulling and making sure that things are okay. When they finally have a moment to breathe, Superman, Superboy finally have the conversation that should have been had since like episode one. They, there's just this still tension between them about, you know, he Superboy just wants to learn from Superman mm -hmm. and Superman's like criticizing Superboy's landing fair. Cause they, they've already caused a, a lot of, indirect destruction in these last two episodes even though it's not directly their fault yet we'll get to it um but superman just refuses to stay around he looks for any excuse to get away from superboy and he does which prompts batman to give him a call and say yo we need to chop it up just for a second um superboy goes back to base where he's already pissed from that exchange and as they're playing on this ice hockey table that i i need it Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not I don't want it. I need this holographic ice hockey table. Could you imagine being able to like, you don't even need room for it. You don't need, need to spend money. It's just there. What? Who? Why isn't this already a thing? Forget flying cars. We need the holographic ice hockey table, y'all. Like now get get to work. Yeah. Look, uh, I, we're, we're like I'm, I'm calling Lex. If I if Lex <laughs> has to do it, I don't care what deals I have to make. We're doing this. But before they can enjoy the fruits of this table, Black Canary shows up. Um, she's still a little injured from a recent fight against Amazo. Apparently took all the Justice League four hours because they had because Amazo kept adapting to him. And this leads to Black Canary going, hey, you know, um, even though I'm a little bit banged up, I think I can still take Superboy. And Superboy is like, come on, I have super strength. It's going to be easy. But she actually takes him to school. Not once, not twice, but like three times. <laughs> um, as you know, Robin is off to the side laughing about the fact that Superboy can't land a hit on um, Black Canary. And Superboy, upset about everything, is about ready to leave. But then at that moment, Batman comes through on, again, really needs to get an update on all these holographic tech pieces because it comes through on a holographic Zoom call to... Um, 
let them know that everything that happened with Umezo and the fact that the new mission now for the team to take on is to join in as Star Labs will be taking the pieces of Amazo, which have been separated in Gotham, and then transporting them to Star Labs New York and Star Labs Boston. And they show a map of where they are. And um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but in this universe, Gotham is in Connecticut. What? Oh, wait, it moved from New Jersey? I didn't even catch that. I mean, I also don't really know maps that well, but I'm, it looked like Connecticut because it was like in between New York and Boston. As far as I could tell, it's like two hours... Like it is the midway point. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. Look, we we didn't learn geography in school. Yeah. But no. <laughs> that just doesn't seem right. <laughs> this is our this is our Dakota conversation. All over <laughs> Where is Dakota? God damn it. <laughs> so the team, um, they suit up. They or are in their civvies at least. They head on over. They each have a bike as the team separates so that, um. Superboy and Robin, they travel with one van, with one truck. And then uh, Miss Martian, Kid Flash, and Aqualad, they travel with the truck that's going to, I believe, Boston. They're traveling along. This is where Superboy's kind of having a little bit of a conversation with Robin, or rather Robin is prying to get some feedback from Superboy about how he's been feeling. And he just, Superboy just basically states out that like he's kind of upset that he's being taught by Black Canary because she sees her as like a lower level hero or super person than him, given the fact that he has super strength that she only has, which he, I guess he, the problem, I don't know if it's known, but to him, he doesn't know if like maybe she has a sonic cry or not. And as they're having this conversation, um, Robin shares that like, Hey, you know, you gotta be more respectful given the fact that like part of her job is always taking down bigger people than her, especially kind of someone like you. But then they get the call that from, um, from the other team, the rest of the team, that they're being attacked by evil monkeys. Yeah, this is where it comes full circle, guys. Mm-hmm. Evil monkeys, evil robot monkeys, the most efficient flying monkeys, because uh, they're dealing with the witch um, here. Because <laughs> uh, we keep it PG-13 most of the time here, guys. Uh, but <laughs> but <laughs> this is where I, I love this following sequence because, first of all, we have Robin introducing... Uh, a new phrase because he's he's talking about disaster. Mm. He's like, why doesn't anyone just feel the aster? So feel the aster starts here, but everyone's on their motorcycles and everybody wrecks them because <laughs> Superboy he doesn't give a crap. He just jumps off that thing immediately, jumps onto the truck, lets his motorcycle just go on the road. Kid Flash. I know it was undercover work, but it's hilarious to think he was even on a motorcycle to begin with. <laughs> he doesn't need it. <laughs> like, Miss Martian, you can fly. Like, the only person that needed to be on the motorcycle was Aqualad um, and Robin. But in this confusion, the monkeys do get their hands on both parts. Superboy is so pissed that he goes off and chases after the monkeys, kind of spinning off of Superman's hatred of robots, as we've extensively covered. <laughs> In, in, he passed it down to his son and we find out the parts are converging on Gotham um, as they're trying to regroup and catch up because and I do like this little bit of realism where Aqualad and uh, is uh, too far in one direction so he's like mm-hmm. I'm not me and Miss Martian are not going to get there in time Flat Kid Flash can get there but Robin's on the east so he'll get there soon um, so they have it set up for who can get to Gotham 
And as they're all racing there, we get a scene, superhero diner time once more, <laughs> where a little on the nose that Batman's eating devil's food cake, but <laughs> I'll, I'll accept it because we have a good conversation between him and Superman. Yes. And I do, I did, this is actually something I didn't want to ask you about. How did you feel about this conversation? Because as they're talking it through, Batman is telling him that you got to be there for him. He needs a father. He's not using any specific superhero, supervillain code words. He's actually having it as just like, Clark, you seem like an absentee father. He needs help. This is the first time superhero diner time has passed a vibe check because it is. Yeah, it is honestly the perfect time. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't use any any revealing names there an outsider would not be able to catch on to what they're talking about maybe some baby mama drama is it but they can't they would not be able to pick up on this so really good chat of like superman him batman saying look you have a son that you're not too happy about i don't know if he knows about damien yet in this universe so he can't be like i get it but (laughs) he does encourage clark to do something just at least acknowledge him. Otherwise, who knows what will become of this boy without guidance. And fittingly, he's not immediately like on board. Like Superman, this does not change his mind overnight. But it does get him to start thinking. It also leaves Bruce with the bill. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as he should be thinking of his son because his son is about to confront some more monkeys. Mm-hmm. Uh, here is the moment in which we finally meet Ivo, um, who reveals that the monkeys is actually an acronym for that spells out monkey. And he comments on how long it took him to actually figure out the acronym. That also includes the letter Q. And as, he also reveals that he's finally assembled uh, Amazo back together. And we get to see the full extent in which Amazo has copied a ton of superpowers. He's copied Captain Adams. He's copied um, Superman's Black Canaries, who has the... Um, the cry um miss uh martian manhunter flat yo the flash one was crazy the animation speed on that and the speed on those punches was amazing it's it's like being rocked by you know like jet lee or somebody from the raid in real life (laughs) like you would not see that coming (laughs) so as amazo's putting the work on superboy he sends him flying into um into basically into Gotham since they're there now, especially into a school. On the on the flip side, we find out that the um, the rest of the team, thanks to Robin's hacking skills, which are really, I think this is like really being developed more and more throughout the series of these past couple episodes. He reveals that he was able to reverse um, hack the GPS signal on the monkeys because they must have known how to find the pieces of Amazo by using GPS. So they were able to reverse hack the monkeys so that they now know where the um, where the amazing pieces are and it all comes together as Robin reveals that it's convening on his school. Now there is a small beat in which we actually do learn the name of this particular Robin. There's a little picture here that says that Dick Grayson is apparently a, um, a mathlete, like the mathlete number one champion. <laughs> yeah. What is this? Did throw me off a little bit. Cause what mm-hmm. is Dick's like, is he graduated, but he's 15 or something canonically in this? I think he's 13 because I remember there is in the drop zone episode, I think there's a scene in which uh, Kid Flash comments on Robin being like a 
a 13 year old so he's somewhere between 13 and 14 and in our next episode it gets revealed how old kid flash is as well yeah it, it doesn't become a problem yet but right. it's something to keep in mind um <laughs> but yeah in the school things are still looking pretty bad for superboy uh but luckily kid flash and robin um and a choice arrow from the a distance helps turn the tables while Ivo's watching in the stands. Superboy just goes, I'm going to go after Ivo, which um, throws off um, Amazo because he doesn't know where to focus his energy. Mm-hmm. And there's a, yeah, there's a cool cycle of techniques. Um, you know, the Martian Manhunter technique is ultimately what gives him the edge. He's able to get, when he phases, he's able to get inside. Superboy can destroy the CPU um, and get through it. And this gem is wrecked. This mm. is our young destruction right here because they have <laughs> they're going to come tomorrow for the basketball championships and be sorely <laughs> disappointed because their gym doesn't even exist anymore. Um. So now as the team, you know, I guess now that they have to just not leave a note or anything and Bruce Wayne is not going to be paid for this gym, um, they realize that Ivo does escape and Amazo separate again, being transferred to the um to the Star Labs facilities in New York and Boston. <clears throat> uh, we end our episode with um learning that the green that the arrow at thought at first was thought to be belonging to Green Arrow. Robin goes off saying that like, "Yo, once again, you don't trust us." And as he reveals this arrow to Green Arrow, he shows that um there are completely two different arrows that are in Green Arrow's arsenal. So they just assume that Speedy was the one that was watching their backs. And they're so ecstatic about this that Superboy also, in another moment of growth, decides to talk to um to Black Canary and just says that, you know what, um, I kind of, I guess, like, kind of do need a mentor in a way. Doesn't quite say it like that, but you see that he tells her that, hey, I'm ready to take you up on your training, which um Black Canary decides to continue on with. And uh, speaking about Speedy and that arrow that, you know, we're thinking that belongs to him. We jump right into our next episode, our last episode here with Infiltrator, as Speedy is taking on the entire League of Shadows as he's on Infinity Island trying to save a scientist who was captured by the League of Shadows. Yes, and this is a real testament to uh, Speedy's skills uh, because he's he's able to do an impressive amount solo. Basically, Mm -hmm. he's doing the Green Arrow from the show. (laughs) <laughs> Stephen Amell is just like you. You did not fail this city. <laughs> he is. He is succeeding, and he is able to narrowly rescue the scientists from a facility, and get away on the arrow boat, uh, the classic arrow boat as everyone knows and loves. Um, but unfortunately, he's not able to help get the technology that the League of Shadows was forcing the scientists to make. Um, so as he speeds away, we catch up to. The Young Justice heroes, the team is just enjoying a beach day, except for Wally, who is in school, which introduces the point. If Robin is stated to be clearly younger than Wally, did he graduate early? Is his school on a completely different schedule than Wally's for some reason? You know, I would assume I would assume it's the latter. I, I am assuming that Wally goes to public school and Gotham Academy is what it was called. It, it seems very much like a private school. Like, Wally also went to school mad early. Like, they, I think, um, I think the timestamp that comes up is, like, August 8th. So, 
Yeah, yeah, your yeah. Face it's like the it first all. day of the school year, right? Because like, I was like, "Is it summer school?" No, it's the first day of the school year. It's reported. So mm-hmm. what? Yes, it's like first day of sophomore year, meaning that Wally is about like maybe fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, so it's like this makes for sense for Tim Drake certainly, but yeah, <laughs> this school thing threw me off here. Batman is probably like, "Hey, hey, here's a couple dollars. No child left behind." You know what I mean? <laughs> What is it with these DC shows in school? Static, we didn't forget. What grade are you in? No one knows. <laughs> so Wally goes through a very, very long day of school where, um, you know, of course, he can't use his powers. So he's subject to all kinds of things where water fountain sprays in his face. He gets hit in the face with a dodgeball. And when he's finally done, he races over to Mount Justice in full on beach wear, um, you know, Shout out to him for using sunscreen because, you know, um, you know, I don't know about that Daniels character, but melanoma is a pretty serious killer. <laughs> um, and this is where we get introduced to the new member of the team, Artemis, who is apparently Green Arrow's new protege, his niece and the owner of the arrow that saved Wally in the last episode. And it is hilarious how Kid Flash just keeps saying, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> just all like so upset because presumably because she joined this team and after all they had to do all the other psychics had to do to join the team now she just suddenly inducted mm. over speedy who speaking of shows up says he goes by red arrow now again this is feeling a lot a lot like the arrow show on the cw <laughs> um and he is letting them know that the this doctor has created a device that can send out like a cloud of computer ticks or flies. We just call them nanites. Just nanites, nanotech. sure. Nanotech flies <laughs> that uh can steal data like mosquitoes. Um, like mosquitoes. That's <laughs> and, a good one, actually. <laughs> I don't like what it, I don't understand how it works. That's why she's a genius. But um, he says he has her stashed away at a school, and he came to bring this. T- to the team's attention to take it from here but he doesn't want to work with them he's still so aggro Mm -hmm. about everything and he kind of leaves them to do it and we get the the team accepts the mission and even though green arrow really wants to just um work with him again he decides this is a good test for artemis so he sends artemis on the mission yeah i do also want to say real quick that it's like uh there are a lot of scenes in here that are like very reminiscent for Batman fans about um uh of the transition from Jason Todd to Tim Drake as Robin, where Red Arrow, um, or Speedy or whatever he wants to call himself, um, he is very upset with Green Arrow for picking up this new protege and in fact calls him out on it. So it's like, oh wow, you couldn't even wait for like the the bow and quiver to get cold, huh? Couldn't you? Or and it's causing a moment of contention where Green Arrow wants to um bring his protege back into the fold but he's really just dead set on especially with artemis just like deading her so as the team is on their way on the mission with um the doctor dr roquette um she is trying to create a i don't know what to call it except for now mosquito repellent to shut down the mosquitoes or the, the fog um from these nanites and this is where the team has to once again learn what it's like to work as a team with a new person 
especially with a personality like Artemis, who is very much a, as opposed to Miss Martian, very, um, very open and very bold in what she has to say. So there's a lot of moments of contention between her and Kid Flash, who's still quite upset that his boy couldn't join in on the team. And this is when we get introduced to the League of Assassins members who have been um, signed up to kill Dr. Roquette before she could create this new device. One of my favorite things about this scene is League of Assassins calls, who's our nearest assassin in the area? Like, <laughs> delivering a pizza? Like, <laughs> which Uber can get there fastest? Definitely 30 um, minutes or less. <laughs> <laughs> so, BC Cheshire is very good. She's able to sneak past Artemis and Miss Martian, who has like all these mental powers, too, while, because uh, they were arguing over Superboy for a second. <laughs> And she essentially makes Kid Flash die, dip into a pool, and he's almost drowning by himself. Um, and then we get Aqualad with the the Doc, who his reaction time is insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane. He's able to deflect some poison, and even though he gets hit by poison, he just calmly says, "Jellyfish poison, huh? I'm largely immune." <laughs> and, <laughs> and um. So luckily, he's able to defend the doctor. Meg Megan saves Kid Flash from drowning by himself. Like he's a video game character who can't swim. And <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but despite all of this, their their near assassination prevention, they're not able to destroy the the complete destruction of Star Labs. Um, so unfortunately, this leads to more issues amongst the team. Um, their next step is trying to figure out what the next target could be. So this time they decide to, um, keep, keep Dr. Roquette stored away somewhere else, even though this, again, causes some more anger in moments between Kid Flash and Artemis, um, who are teamed up together to try to, to protect her. And, it does lead now to realizing from Cheshire that she needs a bit more help. So she calls in um, two more League of Assassin members where we have Black Spider, who we met. Um, you might have known him as Denzel. Yes. <laughs> as well as Hook. Uh, that is his actual name in DC Comics. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? I, yes. I was just calling him that for a joke. No, nope. man. He's just Hook. He's just Hook. His real name is Matson, apparently, but he is he goes by Hook. Is his um his assassin name? <laughs> All right, Hook. <laughs> um, yeah. So Hook is uh. <laughs> do, you, do you need a moment? <laughs> My God, Hook! What a crazy assassin name. Uh, so He's they, up the... there in the pantheon with Tuscan <laughs> and Armandillo. Well, they're both more useful than Hook. Um, <laughs> so. The next target is revealed as um, a Wayne Tech building. And this is another quick, funny moment of Robin going, if they get into the Wayne Tech building, they'll get uh, secrets. We can't let them get in there. (laughs) So the 24-hour workforce, apparently, (laughs) is there. And Robin races to get the cure to the mosquitoes there um, while everyone else tries to protect the doctor. I do like how Aqualad takes another three poison darts to the face. <laughs> and that hook is defeated by his own hook. Yeah. <laughs> um, leaving 
Robin to use the power of ExpressVPN to shut out the mosquitoes once and for all. And Superboy to defeat the Cyclops. There's a lot happening in this last scene. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it does seem like things are working out. Like they are able to, um, you know, they're able to use the plan of having uh, Dr. Roquette work from a different location and everything. But ultimately, the episode is wrapping up now with um, Artemis finally coming face to face with Cheshire. And she states that, like, she tells her to stop where she's going. Uh, and at this moment, her mask, uh, Cheshire's mask, comes off. So this is where Artemis gets a really good look at her face. And Cheshire says, hey, if um, I know you really wanted to be on this team. So if you don't want me to reveal everything about you, then you're going to let me go right now. And she does. So this causes a moment of just like, what's going on for viewers as as well as for Aqualad, who comes out, you know, again, he's largely immune to the jellyfish toxin. And he's asking, it's like, where, where did she go? Where's, um, where's the assassin? Did you, did you get a good look at her face? Because I see that the mask is on the ground. And Artemis is just like, no, it was too dark. I couldn't see anything. There was nothing I could do. And everybody's kind of a bit more compared to, like, how they came after Miss Martian. Everybody's a bit more relaxed and saying that, like, <laughs> we understand these things happen. Our episode is starting to come to a conclusion here with two big moments where um, Artemis exits out of the of Mount Justice to one of the secret entrances, at least to a phone booth. Um, I mean, that's a very I feel like it's a very strong DC nod. But as <laughs> she swings around with bow and arrow, bow um, arrow pulled, she sees Speedy or she, Red Arrow. You got to earn that name for me. Uh, <laughs> he states that, like, I don't know who you are, but I know that you're not Green Arrow's protege. I know you're definitely not his niece. So, um, you know, I know who you are. So don't basically, um, if you mess around, you will find out if you do something wrong with my team. And he, as he disappears back into the shadows. And then we see in the next beat over that the light is having another conversation with the um, sensei from Infinity Island that's, like, leading the League of Shadows. And it's revealed there that, like, despite everything going wrong these past couple days with their plans, they do know that they still have one plan in work, and that is that they have someone uh, working for them on the inside of this new team. Which leads into the question, who amongst them is the mole? Who's the most sus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, it's red. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty obvious. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that wraps up episodes three through six of Young Justice. So, before we talk about that comic book knowledge and um, you know, determining which of these episodes felt left us feeling whelmed and which one we felt the aster on, uh, here is a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family. You should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Hello there. General McMillan, I was expecting a podcaster of your abilities to be a little older. Anders, you're shorter than I expected. No need to be so uncivilized. I'm Anders, that's Colleen. Join us along with our co-hosts Daniel and Flo for yet another Star Wars podcast because the internet can never have enough nerds talking about Star Wars. This season, we're headed, hopefully briefly, back again to the edges of Tatooine's Dune Sea to explore the new series Obi-Wan Kenobi. We'll search our feelings for what we know is true, that changing your first name from Obi-Wan to Ben is the most effective cover story in the 
the history of the galaxy. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get you podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right, Andrew, uh, how you feeling about this? Which one, which one, you, which episode you feel um, was the whelmed episode? Or I'm, I guess really the episode you felt maybe moved the story along a bit. Where where did I feel the aster? You know, that's yeah. the question. Um, I'd say I'd say the best one out of this batch for me personally um, was not Infiltrator. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go inverse. Um, Infiltrator is not a bad episode by any means. It's just there's a lot happening in that episode. There's and I mean, look, come on. And he, you got the little Cyclops robot guy. Mm-hmm. It was the first episode where um, it kind of felt like you threw in a bunch of very low rent villains. Um, and I get it because you don't want to throw in a bunch of heavy hitters because then you wonder like what's the Justice League doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there were so many low rent villains in this. Um, the plot moved on at a breakneck pace. And this is yeah. another thing I'm realizing. My enjoyment of these episodes is proportional to how angry Roy Harper is. So the <laughs> the angrier he gets, the less I'm going to enjoy it. So that's why it's at my bottom for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly is Welcome to Happy Harbor. Again, not a bad episode. It's just that the other two episodes do exactly what it's doing a little mm-hmm. bit better. Um, and that leaves me to saying the first and second i i really liked schooled mm-hmm. um i liked exploring superboy a little bit getting into his emotions why he's angry uh really great action scenes um and really fun character interactions but my number one is drop zone here um automatically when danny trails bane and nothing else matters <laughs> um but really what really defines this episode for me and what it did really well was the discussion of Robin conceding that he's not ready to be the leader um, and the understanding of, you know, he's so used to being solo um, and and just trying to prove himself. And we don't really question it. And it's on other team shows where Dick Grayson is in charge. It's always he's just the leader. He's flawed, but everyone just follows him anyway. And for a show to go, no, he's going to have to earn that. He's going to have to arc up to the point where he can command a team and get out of his own head. And it's not dark. It's not forced. To, it's not forcefully gritty. It's just him being more mature. Um, I love that. And I love that this sets up a journey that goes throughout the rest of the series. So, yeah, it has good action. It has a good, good conversation. So, yeah, that's my top batch of the week drop zone who would have thought who would have thought not me but <laughs> most jacked individual it figures um how, how how did it stack up for you yeah i i'm going to agree that um that drop zone did you know was my number one here too just because again it's like what you're looking for at this point in the in the series you know this team just got thrown together not really like you know, it's not really like they went through an HR interview or anything to figure out if they're a good fit or at all. It was like, hey, you guys, you happen to have a one particular case, so we're not going to slate you guys to be in the team. And this showed how much of a how much back and forth went into that, where you know Superboy and Miss Martian 
they both are like, nah, I don't want to be the leader, Miss Marsha, for good reason, because of what happens with her in um, Welcome to Happy Harbor. And Superboy, I mean, he's 16 weeks old. And <laughs> like that, I mean, he's not saying that he's like the youngest member of the team, but my boy is actually the youngest member of the team. Um, So that's why I did feel like, you know, Drop Zone was good because he do get these like strong moments of dialogue and Kid Flash providing a little bit of humor in between of saying that like, you know, I should be the, the leader. And everybody's just like, nah. So Lead what? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> So, and I did like the fact, I think this is a moment where you do get a chance to see more of Robin. Like I was mentioning, there's this like common sense of just knowing that like a Robin will lead a team. And here it is. He's just like royally messing up and he acknowledges that. But thankfully, by passing it off to Calder, I'm just saying, you know, personally, I love the fact that we have a black leader. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> just saying. Um, so, yeah, that's why I felt Drop Zone was our sh- strongest episode this week. Um you know, I I'm actually really matching up with a lot of the stuff that you were saying, because like for me, the episode that did feel like it needed, if not something removed from it or some just some fine tweaking was um, was Infiltrator. We do get this big reveal that there's a mole within the Justice League, within the DC superheroes or even within this team. We do get a bit of closure when it comes to speedy and now red arrow not want to be a part of this team and even going out solo but for the same reasons of just like there were so many new elements there were so many um moments that were happening compared to the other three episodes where it felt like we had a a linear story it felt like seeing everybody operating in so many different capacities didn't give us an opportunity to really dive into a lot of stuff like the main takeaways you get is just like Kid Flash doesn't like Artemis. Artemis likes to flirt with Superboy using telepathic mind communications and all that. And there are some little moments in which we um get a chance to like learn more about the heroes and how it like stems from like different moments in past missions. Like the callback that Miss Martian also had like a bad moment in which she had just joined the team and it takes some time for them to to warm up to them. But I think there was just too many of those where I think it would have been better if we actually didn't even have the other two members of the League of Assassins. Like, if it was just Cheshire, that would have been fine for me because we saw how Sportsmaster was able to basically hold his own a bit against the team, especially against Miss Martian. I think if we had an opportunity where it was similar to that, where it was just like Cheshire just working solo maybe the other two just felt like thrown in pieces and um i don't know it just felt like like you're saying it just felt like a lot in a short period of time yeah and i know they were trying to do a lot of heavy lifting for what's going to come up next but yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of lifting it does yeah and it, it does i think at the time too it like you know in hindsight like knowing we've seen these show, these episodes, know what's going to happen. And as I'm like rewatching it now, I've realized that like, it does not actually set us up to really think that um when they're saying that we have a mole in the, um in the, mm-hmm. in the justice league, it actually really does not set up um thing to um, Artemis to be pointed as the mole because like she gets okay by like green arrow and Batman. Like, yeah. Even though it was like a moment that kind of builds up it, doesn't really feel like it's her it could literally be any one of them but it just doesn't feel like it could be her 
yeah, all we know for sure is that, you know, she lied about being Green Arrow's cousin. I mean, right. niece. Uh, but that's it. And it's like, there's there's really no... Like, the Cheshire maybe is supposed to make you think, but no. It just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. And, yeah, so with that, we'll jump over to our comics real quick. Um, so as I mentioned in our previous episode, our... Young Justice series does have companion comics. Um, these comics do detail some of the cases and missions that the league and the team go on in between episodes. And honestly, episodes three through six take up issues one through eight of Greg Weissman's Young Justice series. Oh my series. gosh. <laughs> I will, for the sake of time, go through them really quickly because a lot of these I realized were written as two-parters. So Issues one and two, this is basically in between uh, Fireworks and Welcome to Happy Harbor. It's very Superboy focused, and it but it does reveal one big thing, and that is how uh, Mountain Justice was infiltrated. Because as we were as just mentioned in Firework, it's told that Mountain Justice was found out by the the villains of the Justice League. So this is shown as Superboy is walking through, and he learns that through basically. Um, experiencing it that snapper there is a dc kind of like non-active hero by the name of snapper for supergirl fans you know him for comic book fans you'll um you'll recognize him probably as the one that's able to snap and actually be teleport wherever he needs to go kind of like instant transmission hmm. uh he was apparently the pr liaison for the justice league he was a kid so again i need these justice league members to not employ kids anymore batman would disagree <laughs> So it gets revealed that he accidentally led the Joker to where Mount Justice was. And Joker sends off a um a package that's filled with green monkeys. And it attacks the entire Justice League while in the tower, while in Mount Justice. And Superboy tries to stop it, but more and more he's realizing that none of his efforts actually work. And he only realizes because um when something happens where the systems in Mount Justice only recognize him and none of the Justice League members. He realizes it's all an illusion, and when the illusion comes down, it reveals that one of the genomes, the genomes that was connected to him and teaching him everything, followed him because it missed him and was sharing, basically just remembering what was happening and was feeding this information to Superboy, so he was experiencing it in real time. Okay. (laughs) The reason why I had to bring it up is because by the end of it, after fighting against Joker, after fighting, helping to save Snapper, it happened to, um, well, I guess like trying to save Snapper, and fighting against all these monkeys, it's revealed this is why Superboy hates monkeys. Well, you know, I'll give it. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. I would <laughs> be the same after this. <laughs> uh, next up, issues three through four. This is actually where we truly get introduced to the League of Shadows because the League of Shadows apparently kidnapped a woman. Uh, Robin finds this out. Uh, it's a different woman from our Infiltrator episode, just mm. I, which. Just random, right? I <laughs> I feel like the League of Shadows has a has a type, uh, but Robin finds out about the plot. So this is like again in between um, fireworks and Welcome to Happy Harbor. It's like the day after they go into Mount Justice. So he brings the news about this mission to Kid Flash and Aqualad. So they go and try to protect this woman, and this is actually where they first meet Black Spider and Hook. They're canon. They are canon, but it fucks with the continuity. <laughs> Okay, 
because Black Spider and Hook revealed their names to the three members of the team, but it doesn't seem like they know who they are in the Infiltrator episode. Maybe they just uh, they just forgot. <laughs> <laughs> They're like they were so unmemorable that they forgot they. <laughs> But what they will remember, uh, which is our, which is why I felt it was like one of the WTF moments in comics today, is that even though Robin and uh, Kid Flash Aqua were able to save this woman, they hear a report the next day that this woman died because after they just after they stopped the League of Assassins, they just let her go outside, and apparently Black Spider had called out like, "Hey, we got more people on the outside," and they killed her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's that felt very pointless. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh five and six is probably our most chill in this like break. Um, it takes place right before the Santa Priest Commission, but right after the Battle of Mr. Twister. So now Miss Martian has joined the mix. And everybody's kind of talking about how they became the sidekicks. Now, I think this one is really good because if you really want to find out why Superboy is just so angry about all this about you know seeing that not being able to connect to superman this is the comic to read um because we get a chance to learn some great stuff about how each one of the sidekicks became the sidekick like how aqualad fought alongside aquaman one time against ocean master and aquaman was just like you know what kids are good um soldiers in war so i'm just gonna recruit you and garth <laughs> kid flash reveals something that's pretty crazy um where he we learned that in this universe every flash is inspired by the previous flash so Jay Garrick, when he became Flash, he um, was very public about what happened with him and even his own identity. So Barry, um, fascinated by him, decided to have conversations with him, took down notes of like what chemicals he was using and actually recreated, purposely recreated the accident that turned him into the Flash so mm. that he could become one as well. And Kid Flash was inspired by Barry's Flash. So when he found out that his uncle was a Flash, by looking through his notes and everything, he um he was really ready to become a Flash himself. But Barry was like, "No, Kid Flash was just like, well, I'm going to do it anyway." Created the accident, and then that led him to a coma. That eventually, after waking up, he finally got his powers. See, this is why you should lock up this kind of research. You know, like <laughs> you don't leave it lying in your study. It other things we find out, um, apparently Dick Grayson had a whole entire family with aunts, uncles, and cousins that all died during the um, the Haley Circus incident, except for one who was paralyzed and put into a coma. Um, Damn, somebody was thorough. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Miss Martian probably has the coolest one of all, just because. Um, so we do get a little bit of knowledge about what was happening on Mars at the time, especially the racism that was happening on Mars. Um, so she reveals that after Martian Manhunter seeing how all these like um, heroes have sidekicks, he decided to return to Mars to hold a competition to find the next sidekick for the next Martian that was going to come to Earth with him to become a hero. She basically joined in on this competition, much like in um, Diana, and won the title of Miss Martian. Um, so she she like basically is the Wonder Woman of the group a little bit. Mm, okay. I do like that. That is yeah. a cool little twist. Yeah, and I, I, it was only a couple pages, but I do wish they kind of expanded on it more because they do show in some scenes where it's just like uh, the gladiators, like the TV show gladiators kind of style of battling, flying through things and really pushing herself to the limit. 
Um, and speaking of pushing themselves to the limit, Superboy reveals that he doesn't care about, he's like jealous of everybody having this connection to a mentor and hearing their origin story. But more importantly, he decides to take the time to dream about what it'll be like to defeat Superman in case Superman ever turned from the light like he's programmed to do. Mm, okay. And finally, issues seven through eight are our Artemis introductions. Um, honestly, this is probably why I'm feeling now like they in the show it really is set up so that Artemis can't be the mole. Um, uh, because they do provide a lot of context of who she is as a character within these two issues, where her mother um uh her mother returns from prison and her father wants nothing to do with her mother, even though he's the reason why she's returning from prison, plus the fact why she's in a wheelchair. Um, so Artemis decides she's pissed off. She wants to go out and become a hero because it seems like her mother and her father were like criminals who are doing things. And on one of her nights of patrol, she comes across the Amazo fight at Gotham Academy. And what isn't shown in the show, but is put on full display in the comic is that she actually takes down every single one of the monkeys that are attacking her. Um, and that's Damn. why they like, they vanished from the episode. She even has, um, an opportunity to even say Kid Flash while saving herself so it's it's wild how this doesn't get like shown in the show as much but i get it they want to put on the air of like a kind of like style of mystery about her but um because that arrow is left behind batman and green arrow do go in to investigate and they do find out they do go to her home they meet with her mother and um this is where when she comes back home artemis is given the option to join the team and her mother already gives the Batman and Green Arrow their bless her um her blessing, so Artemis agrees because even as she was fighting against the monkeys and saving the team, she's just like, I really want to join this team. Like it's really awesome. I would love to be a hero with them. So she agrees to join as long as they keep her lineage a secret. So this is where the cover story comes up that Green that she's Green Arrow's niece, since as Green Arrow remarks, they're both blonde. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got blonde hair and blue eyes. You apparently can just join the team. <laughs> um, so yeah, that is issue. Those are issues one through eight. Um, the following issue, I believe, will follow up with our next episode. Um, as we kind of jump into the uh, episode seven of Young Justice and see where that journey takes us. But in the meantime, um, hashtag now sponsored. All these comics are available on uh, DC Universe Infinite. So while you peruse those, uh, remember to take care of yourselves and always remember that no matter where they are, whether they be in Oz or in the DC universe, flying monkeys are evil. Yes. And if Bane criticizes your team building skills, you might want to get some help. You know, <laughs> don't recruit Hook, but do anything else. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn Hook. Hook. <laughs>